And it was awesome to watch the kids get touched by the Lord and ministered to at the altar. Uh, and, and it was a healing. You know, the great thing about the presence of the Lord, it doesn't matter what I say. You know, the altar call was for healing. But people came down who didn't need healing. It just, you know, people who needed healing, people who didn't need healing. It doesn't matter. Jesus is going to do what Jesus wants to do. And, and people came hungry. It didn't matter. They just came hungry, including the kids. And... Um, it was funny because we got home, and you know Zoe's very sensitive. Our kids are, you know, aware of the presence of the Lord, and and uh, they were talking. And so, you know, as a dad, you hear the story from your kids, and you're like, "Oh, that's precious." And is this really happening? You know, is it just my kids, or is it all the kids? Of course, we kept hearing story after story after story from the kids that were getting touched by by Jesus uh, Friday night. But you know, Zoe got healed at the altar, and she it was so powerful. Even last night, she brought out her light bright. You know the old toys where you put the pegs in and you light it up. She was trying to draw on her light bright what she saw in service because she saw the glory as a bright light come down on her. And she was trying to explain to us this light that came on her in service and touched her. And uh, I know uh, Noah was here. We were here till 10 o'clock getting all the things ready for Easter Sunday. And uh, Noah, how old's Noah? 11? 9? Nine, nine, Noah, sorry. <laughs> Noah, nine, had to be carried out to his car. He couldn't, he couldn't move. He said, I've never known what it means to be drunk in the spirit, but now I know. He said, I couldn't move. He said, I couldn't move. I couldn't get off the floor, and I felt like Jesus was praying through me. And uh, he said, I felt water flowing through my body. It was like water at the altar flowing through me. Anyway, just powerful. I know David was here, uh, had to be carried out to his car after. We're, I jokingly say we, we have full service ushers here at Celebration. We will catch you, we will lay you on the floor, we'll cover you up, and we'll carry you out to your car after service. We will not drive you home, so uh, you're on your own for that. You have to have your own designated driver for church. So anyway, if you have no idea what that means, just hang around a while and you will you will. It's awesome. It's Jesus. So I'm expecting God to do something supernatural in your life today. Amen. I'm expecting something unusual. You, you know, Noah said, it was funny, we were talking about this. He said, Dad, he was telling uh, Pastor Brandon, he said, Dad, you know, if people just came hungry to the altar, God's going to meet them. You know, that's so, you know, out of the mouth of babes, he, he proclaims truth. If, if you just come to the whole altar hungry, you just, something's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, I'm hungry. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, in, and I'm not talking about Easter lunch. I'm talking about for Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> yeah, see, I told you something unusual just to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yeah, he's, he's walking these aisles today. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer, you know, today, I, there might be someone here this morning, you said, I, you say, I've never felt the presence of the Lord. I don't know what it means to feel his presence. Before you leave today, you'll know. Before you leave this building today, you will know what it means to know the presence of the Lord. He's going to show up in your life. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our report? 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he has grown up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge... My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no to measure. 
Humanity wants to forget what happened at the cross. We try to obliterate it. We try to mark it out of history. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about what happened at Calvary. Easter is it's just another day. It's just another holiday to get your family together and have a feast. But I've got news for you, friend. Easter is more than just another holiday. It's the resurrection day. It's the day where Christ came. 
God stepped into humanity. God stepped into humanity for you and for me. And he willingly laid down his life. He willingly became a sacrifice for me and you. He willingly gave up himself. He willingly, willingly, willingly went to the cross for you and I. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I I lay it down. I give it up. Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 53 was over 700 years before the crucifixion of Christ. But if you fast forward into the Gospels, you see the account just as Isaiah prophesied, just as God had spoke through the prophet Isaiah, it came to pass. Three of the Gospels record the scourging of Jesus. In Matthew 27, verse 26, it says, Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. In Matthew 15, in verse 15, it says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. In John chapter 19, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. In 1 Peter, Peter records in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. In Psalms 129, in verse 3, it says, The plowers plowed upon my back and made long their furrows. I'm going to ask everybody to tune in to me over the next few moments. The word of God is going to pierce your heart. It's going to change your life. I want you to turn off every phone, every distraction, and pay attention to what the Lord's speaking this morning. He wants to do something in your life. I'm going to ask you to just be seated and stay seated just for a few moments. No moving around. I want you to hear from the Lord today. God wants to change your life. Jesus came to this earth, was crucified for your sins. He faced the the penalty of the whipping post. I don't, today I'm going to talk about the whipping post. And my intention is not to minimize the cross, but we don't talk a lot about the whipping post. And I want to zero in on that today. He allowed himself to be beaten for you. He allowed himself to be beaten for me. Psalms talked about the, the stripes that he bore on his back. It was, it was compared to like the plow of the field. If you've ever watched a plow or plow the field and the plows go deep into the soil to break up the fallow ground, that's what was taking place to Jesus' body. I don't understand. I, I believe that Jesus can heal. I believe that he can deliver. I, and I think many people in this room today would say, yeah, we believe Jesus can heal. He can set the captives free. I don't know. Is anybody here this morning that believe Jesus can still heal and set the captives free? I believe that. I believe that Jesus can heal you today. Even while the message is being preached, you can be, cancer can be healed in his presence right now. Heart disease can be healed in his presence. I believe that. I believe that right now, supernatural things can happen in your life. 
I believe it. I believe people can be healed. I've watched I've, I've watched people get out of wheelchairs. I've watched people who've, who've had effects from strokes and their bodies frozen, their muscles frozen in place, begin to work and function again as if there was never a stroke. Something never happened, but the power of God comes on them. In a moment, in a, in a moment of time, they're healed and transformed. I've seen people get uh, absolutely changed. I've seen people with AIDS get healed, get absolutely healed by the power of God and go to the doctor and get the testimony of Jesus and how he healed them from AIDS. I've watched it. I've seen it with my eyes. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm sure many of you in this room have seen the power of God heal people and set people free. I've seen the drug addicts go free. I've seen people who have struggled with addiction go free. I've seen people who have been in bondage go free. But I can't tell you how it happens. I just know that it happens. I don't, know, I don't know how the sick get healed. I just know that it, it happens. I don't, I don't know how. How does it happen that someone who's in a wheelchair in a moment of time can get up and walk? We don't have a natural explanation for it. We don't have a natural explanation for how someone who is paralyzed with sickness and disease all of a sudden gets healed. We don't have a natural explanation for how pain can riddle someone's body and all of a sudden they're transformed and the pain is gone. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus, our healer. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, it says, I am the Lord that heals you. In Jeremiah 30, verse 17, it says, I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. So he heals our physical bodies. He heals us. In Psalms 103, it says, who forgives all of your sin. Say all of your sin. Not just a portion of it, but all of your sin. The thing that you thought you could never walk free from. The thing that you thought always is going to haunt you the rest of your life. Jesus forgives all of your sin. And he heals all of your diseases. It doesn't matter what the disease is or what you're afflicted with. He is your healer. In Psalms 147.3, it says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wound. It may not be a physical ailment that you're dealing with today. It may be, it may be something in your heart. You may have been wounded by someone. Someone said something. Someone's done something. Life has hurt you. Maybe you're here this morning and you were abused by your parents. Maybe you're here this morning and there's, there's abuse in your background. Jesus heals all of your wounds today. He heals your heart. He heals your mind. He heals your emotions. He cleanses your conscience clean. No matter what it is today, no matter what it is that you're here today with, Jesus is able to heal and restore your life. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, it said, When evening had come, many, everybody say many, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all their sick. All the demons came. It's funny, the one place, the one place demons don't want to be is in the presence of Jesus, but, but their neighbors and their friends came, came bringing their demon-possessed. You had a demon. Come on, let's go to Jesus. He can set you free. Maybe you're, maybe you're oppressed today. Maybe you're here this morning and oppressed or possessed. Jesus can set you free today. You can leave this place transformed. You know, we had, it's funny, 
every once in a while we'll, we'll get a phone call from somebody and they'll say, hey, I, you know, I don't know any church in the area that knows how to deal with demons. Can, can we bring our demon possessed to the church and you deal with them? And, it, you know, you, you may think that's an odd thing. We So, yeah, bring them. Bring them to the altar. Jesus will set them free. That's okay. We, we don't have a problem with devils. Does Jesus still deliver people from demons? Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. And I unapologetically preach the message that the same blood that he saved 2,000 years ago is the same blood, the same power that sets the captives free today. I unapologetically preach the blood, preach the baptism in the Holy Ghost, preach divine healing, and preach that Jesus Christ is coming back. Same Jesus. And the great news is, Mark 16 tells us, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The same God's living in you, the same anointing that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit is in you. So how is it that someone that's oppressed gets healed and set free? How is it that these things happen? How is it that the most wretched of sinners can come to an altar, can come just like Friday night, just like what's going to happen this morning in a few moments. People are going to come to this altar, and lives are going to be transformed. What's going to happen at this altar? I don't understand how it all happens. When you can come to an altar, kneel at the altar, and things happen in your life. You can go to Buddha's altar and kneel at Buddha's altar and get up and leave the same way that you came in. You can go to a Hindu altar, get up and leave the same way that you, but when you come to the altar of the Lord, when you come to the altar of Jesus, I wish somebody would help me this morning. When you come to the altar of Jesus, things change. Something happens. You get set free. You get delivered. You get healed. You walk out as a new person. Something happens when you come to the altar of the Lord. You might be here this morning and you feel like maybe you're the one at the whipping post. You feel like you just can't get ahead. Every time you turn around, something's happening. You feel like you just can't break through. You've prayed and you've tried and you just can't seem to get breakthrough. You've got an addiction holding on to your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got sickness or disease in your life, and you just can't seem to get victory over it. It's riddling your body. Cancer's affecting your body. Maybe there's some other disease affecting your body, and you just can't seem to get victory this morning. Maybe you're here, and you're dealing with some emotional pain of your past. You've got some emotional trauma, some, some emotional hang-up, something that's happened, and, and life just keeps going, and it keeps going, and you're living life according to the lie of your past. It's just become so natural for you. It's just become so easy for you to be overcome and to live by that lie. You're never going to be good enough. You can never do it. You can never do what God's called you to do. You're never going to be good enough to come into his presence. You're never going to be holy enough. And that lie just keeps cycling over and over 
It's like you're tied to the whipping post. Every time you try to move forward, you hear another whack of the whipping, and you just can't seem to get breakthrough. Maybe you're here this morning, and it just seems like financially you can never get ahead. You've, you've maybe you've been addicted to gambling this morning. You've got a, a, an addiction of gambling in your life, and it's, it's affected your finance. Maybe you've got spending habits that have riddled your life, and you're not tithing. You're not practicing bi- biblical finances. And every time you try to move forward, there's just another whack of the whipping post, and you just can't seem to get ahead. Maybe you're here, and this morning, relationships are troubling you. I know nobody ever has trouble with relationships. Maybe relationships are troubling you. Maybe your family's troubling you and you feel tied to the whipping post this morning. Maybe you feel like your friends or your family has betrayed you. People that you love, people that you thought who had your back all of a sudden have turned on you. And you feel like you're tied to the whipping post and they're no longer loving you and supporting you, but they're beating you against your back. Tied to the whipping post. I want to read for you this morning a medical description of what would have happened at the flogging of Jesus, at the scourging of Jesus. Flogging was a legal preliminary to every Roman execution. Only women and Roman senators or soldiers, except in case of desertion, were exempt. The usual instrument was a short whip with several single or braided leather thongs of variable length. And each of the braids would have been small iron balls or sharp pieces of sheep bones, which were tied at various intervals. Occasionally, wood posts were also used. For scourging, the man was stripped of his clothing, and his hands were tied to an upright post. The back, the buttocks, and the legs were flogged either by two soldiers or by one who alternated positions. The severity of the scourging depended on the disposition of the soldiers It was intended to weaken the victim to a state just short of collapse or death. After the scourging, the soldiers often taunted their victim. As the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victim's back with full force, the iron balls would cause contusions to the skin, and the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin and the subcutaneous tissues. Then, as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. Pain and blood loss generally set the stage for circulatory shock. The extent of blood loss may well have determined how long the victim would survive on the cross. At the Praetorium, Jesus was severely whipped. A detailed word study of the ancient Greek text indicates that the scourging of Jesus was particularly harsh. It is not known whether the number of lashes was limited to 39 in accordance with Jewish law. The Roman soldiers assumed that this weakened man had claimed to be a king, began to mock him by placing a robe on his shoulders and a crown of thorns on his head and a wooden staff as a scepter in his right hand. Next, they spat on Jesus and stuck him 
struck him on the head with a wooden staff. Moreover, when the soldiers tore the robe from Jesus' back, they probably reopened the scourging wounds. The severe scourging with its intense pain and incredible blood loss most probably left Jesus in a pre-shock state. Moreover, the rupture of capillaries and blood vessels had rendered his skin extremely tender. The physical and mental abuse meted out by the Jews and the Romans, as well as the lack of food, water, and sleep, also contributed to his generally weakened state. Therefore, even before the actual crucifixion, Jesus' physical condition was at a critical stage. After the scourging and the mocking at about 9 a.m., the soldiers put Jesus' clothes back on him, and they led him and two thieves to be crucified. Jesus apparently was so weakened by the severe flogging that he could not carry the crossbeam from the praetorium to the site of crucifixion, one-third a mile away. Can we move this pulpit? This would be a whip. Let's bring down the lights, too. This would have been a whip. Similar to what it would have been used with Jesus. Pastor Grace, can you sing that? perversion every suicidal thought every person bound by depression every hateful thought every time you look lustfully at another woman every time you look lustfully at another man Every persecuted believer. Lung disease. Pulmonary fibrosis. Shingles. Everything that would try to keep you out of the presence of God. Every critical spirit. Every drop of alcohol that pours down a sinner's throat. 
every idolatrous act, every greedy thought. Take that, devil. Every time a child disobeys, every time a teenager cuts themselves, every affair, every bit of sexual promiscuity, gluttony, diabetes, COVID, multiple sclerosis, AIDS, ALS, heart disease, cirrhosis of the liver, HIV, every needle that's stuck in every drug addict's arm, every act of domestic abuse, every child that's beaten by their parent, blood disease, brain damage, Every time God's name is used in vain. Jesus. Every judgmental statement. Every racist thought. Every human trafficker. act of murder every act of incest Jesus every aborted baby every migraine headache emphysema every hate crime Robbery. Autism. Every lie that's told. Anxiety. betrayed every time someone let you down
you might be here this morning and you feel like you're on the whipping post, like you're carrying the weight. You feel like you're being beat every time you turn around. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, went to the whipping post. And after the whipping, after the whipping, he carried a cross to Calvary for you. He was executed between two criminals for you. And while he was on that cross, while he was on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Whatever it is, whatever it is, Father, forgive them. And then he cried out, it is finished. It's finished. It's finished. Whatever it is, heart disease, whatever it is, whatever disease it is, whatever problem it is, whatever sin it is, whatever holds you, whatever it is, it is finished. It's finished. You don't have to keep going to the whipping post. He said, I went to the whipping post for you. I went to Calvary for you. You don't have to carry it any longer. You don't have to carry the shame. You don't have to carry the guilt. You don't have to carry the pain. You don't have to hold on to it any longer. It 